Hello and welcome to I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting, the show where we bring you tips, tricks and techniques that we wish we knew as young songwriters. On this show, we focus on interviews, we focus on resources, subjects you're going to find useful and you can go home and you can use them today. So thank you so much for listening and welcome to the show. Hello and happy new year. Welcome to another episode of I Wish I Knew That About Songwriting. Obviously, I'm here with my man Callum. What's up, buddy? What's up, my man? How are you doing? I'm doing great. And, and Callum and I have had a lovely little, almost a Christmas kind of vibe because we were recording this before Christmas mm-hmm. and Callum has kindly allowed me to see him unboxing his brand new microphone that he's coming through right now. How's it going, man? I'm good. I'm good. So what we wanted to do today is focus on 10 practical tools that we know are going to really change the way that you write songs next year, or at least give you a brand new perspective on your creative experience. Don't worry, they're not magic. They're really practical. Callum and I are going to go through them. But we want to say, first of all, we really hope everyone has an amazing 2022 because I think we deserve it as a community. So Callum's just going to do a quick highlight as to what's going to be coming your way this year. So this year, we have a lot in store for you. We have some great interviews with uh, Jordan Lees, Pollyanna, Nathan Graves, Josh Gleaves, just to name a few. We're going to be diving deep into some amazing tools for you, including melodic maths, ABC songwriting, lyrical short-term memory. We're going to be telling uh, some stories about some top-selling songs, what they have in common. Jordan from Maya Maya is amazing. Pollyanna is going to have so many positive things. I just spoke to her for a short amount of time and I took away so much. Um, Nathan was hilarious. Josh, honestly, guys, that one, I'm really excited for people's reactions because it's so different. So quickly, Callum's nailed a load of those tools and we're going to go into them and break them down just quickly for you because we're going to be talking about them a lot this year, next year, however you see this. Um, First of all, Callum, we're going to do something super special your song of the year. Damn. Yes. What have you got? Please break my heart. So my song of the year this year is by one of my favorite artists. He's Jason Isabel. Yeah. The song is Cover Me Up. And it was released in 2013 on his album Southeastern. And God, it made me cry this morning when I listened to it. (laughs) You know, the time of year, the lyrics especially are just so beautiful. You know, a heart on the run. Keeps a hand on the gun. Can't you can't trust, trust anyone. anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. And those are the first lines of the song. Mate. Yeah. We're talking deep diving today, but that is just like, yeah, incredible song. Hmm. Home was a dream, one that I'd never seen till you came along. Okay, I'm going to cry now, dude. It's you big. see why it got me, right? Mirror neurons are going off. Yeah. Big. Yeah. And it's a song about repair for me and recovery. Hmm. Um. The days when we raged, we flew off the page, such damage was done. It's a lighting to a damaged past and a brighter future for me, which is also what so much music is about. Mm. And for me, music is healing, moving forward, overcoming obstacles through these amazing connections we all have. And structure, but if we, you know, going a little bit further structurally, If you wanted a bit more, it has a clear hook. Mm. The chorus begins before the minute mark. And what I really love um, is I believe there's a refrain in there. So you have the chorus, 
So girl, leave your boots by the bed. We ain't leaving this room. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's the chorus. And then the refrain comes in. So cover me up. Know you're enough to use me for good. And that gets repeated. Man, people are like, people have to listen to this yeah. song because I want to jump in and quickly because um, Callum was going to go on and say, I'm sure, but I'm going to steal it like always. Um, I heard this song through an artist called Morgan Wallen, who I'm obsessed with yeah. on this show because I really feel like he is trying to, despite his problems and what he said, um, really bring back the authenticity of, of the way he writes. And I heard this song cover me up on the record. I was like, that doesn't sound like him, but I heard it through him and the way he performs it brings out Isabel's, I would say it's, it's on another level. I think that kind of mm. such a good tune. Is there anything else about it that you loved? Just everything, mate. It's just one of my favorite songs. <laughs> it's one of those like, songs, isn't it? Honestly, song of the year, yeah. And go, song of the go year. check it out and go check out Morgan Wallen's version because it's, it's, it's so big, Morgan Wallen, what he did yeah. with it. And he, what, what Morgan Wallen did with it was very special as well. But I think so, that's the thing. Go, is, go and check out both. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, Zane Lowe said it's John May once. He said, you just paid homage to the song. You got out of the way mm. and you just paid homage to the song. And I really feel like Morgan Wallen did that. I think he was very delicate in how he went about it. And it just made it even more beautiful. Um, but anyway, yeah, that is, I love that. Cause I, ch- I actually sprang that on Callum this morning. I said, let's do song of the year. And he was like, huh? But actually the yeah. one he's got, that lines up really well. And I love that repair and, and positivity. And I'm going to take something pretty left field and it's still really relevant. And actually, again, I sprung it on myself. I said it this morning, song of the year, and I had something else, but my song is Rage Against the Machine, Killing in the Name of. Whoa. Yeah. And I think it's something that we've all heard. And finally around Christmas time, it went number one about 10 years ago because there was that movement, which is amazing. It's an incredible song and I won't even break it down because so many people know it, but I really wanted to go with probably the least expected section of that song for what people might have come to know this show to be, meaning a show that's kind of very, we look at the specifics and the tools and the techniques, but there's a line that just rang true for me. And this year has been really kind of tough, I think, coming out of what we've all come out of, but not only that, but moving to a different country, going through different things personally, um, trying to start my own business in music, learning how to do all that. I've been really looking for courage. And there's a part of the song, which again, Callum might laugh, but it's literally the last bit that says, because we, sorry if you don't like swearing, but this is for demonstrative purposes, but fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Mm. And that's repeated about 20 times, something like that. So for me, that just had a real ringing in terms of what we're going to talk about later too. But we all have so many negative thoughts per day. I think there's thousands of thoughts that humans have. And for me, I do really struggle. I get under in terms of the anxiety, especially what we're trying to do in music and working for myself. And despite all the positives, there's still that real need for courage every day. So my song of the year, 100% is Rage Against the Machine, because I think that element for me, it's not clever. It's not technical. It's just really meaningful. And I think I spend a lot of time, as my counselor says, in my head, thinking about things instead of simply feeling them. So for me, fuck you. I won't do what you tell me. It's just courage. And that's my song of the year. So they have a weird one, but there we go. Yeah. And there's shock value there as well. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's thinking about all these different things in your songs. And it depends on the kind of artist you want to be, I guess, the, the, the artist you're writing for. 
So, and I think that's a really good point. And actually, if we're looking at and analyzing why we brought something up, exactly like you said, Callum, most people, even Callum, was not expecting me to pull that line out of that song and go for that thing. But the effect that it has is is a is a tool in itself. That if you can surprise people, we talk about this with subversion. That should probably be one of our tools for you. There maybe it isn't, but subversion is a huge one, and that's exactly what you're trying to do here you you want to connect with people and feeling that's why Callum and I have chosen these two songs because they hit us emotionally but also if you want to look at why that is there's a lot to be said mm. so let's do it should we start with the 10 tools for yeah, this year let's do it. Callum's going to kick us off with one he actually teased earlier with a Jason Isabel song lyrical deep diving if you want to go there Callum so lyrical deep diving for me this is very much a Pat Patterson thing mm. He's just so great. Okay. And I recently saw a YouTube lecture or clinic of his. Um, I'll put it in the show notes so that you can all go and watch it. Yeah. But he's just incredible. And he talks about this and the best have studied Pat Patterson, Literally. John Mayer, obviously. Ed Graves. Um, studied under him. <laughs> yep. And, you know, every word has meaning in your song. So well said. That. I've never heard it said like that. That's, yeah, I love that. Sorry. That's, that's going in my little bank. I'm stealing that. You just, you speak to Pat Patterson. I wish I had, but if you watch one of his lectures or read one of his books and you get the idea of lyrical deep diving, um, I think it will change your songwriting. As Callum said, I've mm. written that down. Every word has meaning. I'm going to be stealing that for people I work with. Okay. So number two, again, it's something you would have heard if you spent your time looking into songwriting, that kind of thing. But Melodic maths or melodic contrasting. So what I want to do is off the bat, I want you to go and listen to a song called Loose Ends with Georgia Smith and Loyal Karna. That was going to be my song of the week until we dropped the song of the year thing. And I feel like I had to let something else take over. But melodic maths or melodic contrasting is as simple as does the preceding section of verse, for example, contrast with what follows it, the pre so is there a change? Are we getting a really kind of rapt, rhythmical, intense verse? And then that's married against something that's very washy, often sang. And the reason I bring up the song Loose Ends is because you, you cannot get almost any more different than Loyal Karna and Georgia Smith. And if you listen to that song, the way that it goes from a rapt, delivered, spoken word, really poetic, thought out, rhythmical section again to this beautiful kind of R&B opened up airy hook. I think there's no better practical example of what melodic maths and melodic contrasting is. But again, I just want to dip toes into this one because we're going to go over this many, many times next year and we're going to go into it in lots of different depths. So if this is the first one you've heard, this is the first show of ours you've listened to. Thank you and welcome. But I promise you we're going to go into a lot more. So just before Callum goes on to a really cool practical example that you guys need to go and research, including myself, a quick overview of what the creative and the critic is. The way I like to think of it is you can imagine a completely blank white wall and suddenly in walks, which is relevant to Callum's example, this hippie, super long hair, very relaxed, very loving, very open, comes in and just starts throwing paint at this wall. Like it doesn't matter where it goes, doesn't matter what color it is, how far it goes up the wall. He just starts throwing, throwing, throwing. This guy is called the creative. Okay, bear with me. And if you want to imagine that the creative has exhausted himself, he's done. Paints all over the place. He goes off, goes to chill out. 
And then suddenly, the guy I like to call the critic or the editor, if you've listened to this show, comes in and you want what I want you to imagine is small guy, square glasses, clipboard, very analytical, very much able to speak about what he doesn't like and exactly why. But what he'll do is go and look at what the creator's done, leave post-it notes all over the paint, try and give him some understanding of what he's created and how that can move better towards the goal. And as you can imagine, once the critic leaves, the creator will come back, start throwing paint. And those are kind of really simple ways. Again, we're going to go into it deeper, but I think what Callum's going to talk about is going to be a really awesome way of looking at that in, in practice. Yeah. You have to leave the editor behind and let the creator just be. And I think uh, if you've not seen it yet, you have to go and watch the Beatles documentary, Get Back. Yeah. Because this is just a foolproof way to see the best songwriters in the world mm. working together. And you can see how the creative, you know, the creative tensions in the room. And at times, one of the things that sort of popped out to me was how even the best still struggle. Yeah. You know, they, the best still write bad songs and they still have bad days. And they still, they're still critics of themselves. They're critics of each other, you know, and they were making, obviously they're making a documentary. So they had all these cameras on them and they had all these people in the room talking about the show, talking about the documentary and you could see how it was affecting the creative. Like if, if it, it was just John and Lennon in the room. Just John and, and Lennon. And you can, yeah. Oh, no, if it was, oh, sorry, if it was just John and Lennon. <laughs> if it was just uh, Lennon and McCartney in the room. Mm. And you can see that. You can see when they're working together, how it gels really, really well. Um, and it works. You know, you are more a fair fighter than you are a, a songwriter. Okay, go, yeah. Our editor comes in because it's like, oh, that's not a good song. That's yeah, not a good song. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not a good idea. And you just need to let it roll. You know, you need to let the, the bad stuff come out. And, you know, I don't think we can stress enough how bad, how, how important it is to write a bad song. And there are a lot exactly. of people that just don't want to finish songs because they don't think they're good. They're terrified. They write and, it. And I think Craig Wiseman as well, Callum put me on to again, um, talks about how your critical voice or the critic, this character will grow at an exponential rate to your creative. The way I think of it is if you go to someone on the street and play them your song, despite them not having ever maybe done music, they'll have an opinion. They'll be able to say, oh, I do, I don't like it. This bit doesn't work for me. Everyone has a critic. I think we know that based on how the internet's going. But the next point I want to bring up, the next tool for you speaks to how we cultivate, like Callum's saying, how do you cultivate that creative element? Because it's all well and good for him to me, for us to mention it. And the critic is something we all understand, but the creative, and I think the key to understanding and nurturing and benefiting from your creative drive is something I like to call the inspiration meter, which we've developed on this show. And what that simply is, if you are not able to create and all you've got is critical messaging, all you've got is resistance, probably because your inspiration meter has rocked out, hit bottom. And I found that actually yesterday, I think it hit me. But what you need to do then is, how do you fill it up? So practical, quick steps, for example, 
watch Netflix with the subtitles on because it will give you these perfect one-liners because scriptwriters are really, really good at condensing things like lyrical deep diving. Secondly, have you been for a walk? Have you spoken to that old friend? Are you in a relationship? Can you find someone that's going to be able to give you a new perspective on things? Have you seen your best friends, your family? Are you taking part in sport? Are you part of a community? Are you learning all these things? Are you picking up books? You can see where I'm going. Poetry, all of these things. Or even watching, like Callum said, go and watch that documentary. You'll have a spark or whatever kind of genre specific thing you find is inspiring. You have to find a way to fill up your inspiration meter. Otherwise, you're really going to struggle to access your creative. So I'm going to go through the next three quite quickly because I want again to just tease you because these are things that we're going to come into next year or things that I work on more in depth with with people I work with. Um, But what I like to call ABC STEM writing and trust me, the most basic way of doing it is you can fight fear, fight resistance by breaking down the fact that you don't have to write a whole four minute song with perfect harmony, lyrics, ideas. No, what you need to do is write a verse. When you've written a verse, you write a pre-chorus. When you've written a pre-chorus, you write a chorus. And again, there are ways to break that down further, but just bear with me. If you think of that as A, B, and C, verse, pre, chorus, what you've actually got there is probably 80% of the information for the song. And suddenly, if you just focus on those ABC, those STEM elements of your song, you might find you've overcome the resistance of writing a song because you've written 90 seconds of information. But actually, if that's well-written based on the tools we talk about, that's pretty much your whole song. So that's a really good way to beat fear. Another one I want to bring up is something I like to call listener bandwidth and the tightrope. So this is something I offer to people when I really think that they have written their songs with the listener in mind. And I want you to imagine a tightrope. And on that tightrope is your listener. You are a listener too. So you can imagine this, that when you're listening to a song and it's really well put together, like saying, like Callum is saying, Everything has its meaning and its feeling and it just hits you. You walk along the tightrope. You keep buying into that story. You follow the breadcrumbs, so to speak, along the tightrope. Um, and listener bandwidth is the aspect of literally like an internet connection. How much bandwidth have you got? How much can the listener take? If you don't give them enough information, enough breadcrumbs along the tightrope, they're not going to be interested in your song. If you leave too much space between your melodic phrasing, if you don't think about great lyrics or things to bring your person along the tightrope, they're going to fall off it and suddenly they'll be critical. Suddenly they're not bought into what you want. That's not what we're after. But equally, if you give them too much information, they're going to be blown away blown away in the wrong way. Um, so again, listener bandwidth and the tightrope and breadcrumbs, if you will. That's another tool. And then quickly, I'll fire another quick one that I love from Charlie Puth and actually Tyler. So Tyler Thompson, Legend. a guy that I work with, but speakability and thinkability. That's our next one. Speakability and thinkability. So I'm going to take speakability and Charlie Puth does an incredible job of this. It's a short video of him saying, I use real text messages in my songs. And why is that? Because it's him, something he literally said. It's speakable. It's digestible. If it's written well, of course it's effective too, but that's a really great way of doing it. And thinkability is Tyler Thompson. When I was working with him in one of our sessions on songwriting, he came up with something and I said, oh, that's brilliant. Why is that brilliant? Because it's something you would think. Because of course there's speaking, but as songs, inherently, they're literally played into our ears. You're in the shoes, if it's well written, you're in the shoes of the character. So of course, if it's thinkable too, 
Is it something people can imagine themselves thinking or saying? So thinkability and speakability, really important for your lyrics. Um, and speaking of lyrics. So lyrical short-term memory. Oh yeah. This is an interesting one. Just quickly for those of you who have not heard lyrical short-term memory, because we, we have covered it, I believe, before, but a very simple example is a lot of post-choruses these days will use the very last word or phrase of a chorus as the part they want you to remember. So an example of this is you write your verse, your pre, your chorus, and the end of the chorus, a country example is, and that's why she left me. And then there's a silence. So what we're saying is literally lyrical short-term memory. What's the last thing that was said? It should be the most important line, the one you want people to focus on, because when you leave a gap, that's what people are going to focus on. So if I was to say something specific like chipmunk and leave a gap just like that, what do you remember chipmunk? I know it's a stupid example, but it's a tool that you can use. Um, yeah. Most people don't listen to lyrics. <laughs> yeah, they don't. <laughs> you know, it's, melody is king. Yeah. And I remember quite vividly someone when I was younger saying to me, you know, she was listening to a David Guetta track and I was, I remember saying to her, oh, the lyrics great. And she's like, I don't listen to the lyrics. Yeah. So many people like and that. I was blown away. So many people like that. Yeah. And because for me, I remember way, even way back to when I was about 10 years old, um, the lyrics, it was always the lyrics spoke to me, mm. you know, something that it, it was always the melody that hit me first. And, uh, it was the lyrics that eventually made you love a song. Maybe there was a line or something in it yeah. that pulls you in. And so I want to jump on to John Mayer here because I admire his lyrics so much and yeah, the way incredible. he explains himself so clearly in his lyrics. Um, you know, he's, he's not very abstract and he <laughs> likes to be understood exactly <laughs> in his lyrics. And so I think as a songwriter, you need to make a decision very early on about whether you want to be understood. What am I trying to say in my songs? Um, am I just throwing something at the wall musically and here it is and it sounds amazing and I can just follow it because it picks me up and it takes me on a journey. And a lot of people are like that. That's what they love and that's what they seek out in music. Whereas other people like myself, we, we want songs that are a bit more like it's all there and it's, it's everything's on the page for us. Um, and I don't have to wonder about it. Yeah, I love that. And if I, if I could just pick it up, I would say two artists for me that I would find equally beautiful as much as I don't have as the same relationship with Billie Eilish. Um, if we can look at what Callum's saying, I think that's really, really worth thinking about people is that, do you want to be understood? Let's take John Mayer, for example. He writes songs like Callum's saying, there's no mystery. And when I was younger, I loved them because he helped me to make sense of how I was feeling, the world around me, all those kind of things. Whereas let's take someone like Billie Eilish, because a lot of her songs, they leave you wondering, but they're so beautifully produced, written, performed, marketed even that it doesn't really matter what they're about their songs for escapism their songs for and again if you look at that do you want to be understood or not understood they're both equally beautiful equally practical but they're completely two different tool sets um and again i think callum's gone on an incredible tangent that's made me think more about things 
I love that. You know, do you want to be understood or do you want to not be understood? And I love the fact that it's like a choice for people because I'm always someone that wants my lyrics to be like, you get it. Um, so I love that. I love mm. that. Um, <laughs> number nine is dynamic ceilings. And do you know what? I'm going to throw this one out because I really want you guys, like I said, to be practical. It's all well and good. And I appreciate that you come and listen and you take something from what we're talking about. But if you go and find John Mayer's Berkeley lecture, he does an incredible example that stuck with me for eight years. And it's something I still pass on, something I still use. And he talks about dynamic ceilings. So we're going to go straight to number 10, but number nine is your homework. You're going to go and watch that and you're going to find that. Um, and John Mayer pops up a lot. Surprise, surprise. He knows what he's talking about and he's able to be eloquent about songwriting, which is what we aim to do on this show. Um, and we'll talk a bit more about that later. But number 10, go for it, Callum. So syllable shaving. This is very much to do with melodic maths. And Max Martin was my introduction to syllable shaving. Cool. And everything within your verse has to rhythmically make sense. Yeah, well said. Yeah. I find, especially with younger songwriters, I was actually doing something with Ed um, and he asked me to kind of take a listen to something. I won't say who it was or what it was. But I heard this person's incredibly talented, but they were just trying to put too many words and syllables into a line, which is exactly what Callum's saying. It has to be effective and efficient. If you watch the Max Martin things, you'll see on the beat, make sure the rhythm's on the beat, the melody's on the beat, and it's effective. But again, syllable shaving, for example, I'll do a demonstration. If I speak like this with clear tone and rhythm, you understand what I'm saying and you buy into it. And again, that's a spoken example. But suddenly if I try and say something with too many syllables or it's a bit weird and it's like, oh my God, no, what's he talking about? That's an extreme example. But when you hear music, do you think you want to hear the first thing I said or the second thing I said? And syllable shaving is a way of thinking, like Callum's saying and what Pat Patton is saying, every word has a meaning. And the same with anything you choose to put in your music should have a purpose, should be efficient, and it should make sense and be digestible. So there's a few different sides of, of that, but that was interesting for me. Mm. So 2021, I think there's one song that in terms of the tools we talked about uses probably all of these tools we talked about almost perfectly. And not only that, but it's bought into what I think is the summary of the year um, is that we're moving into this kind of shorts culture, whether it's YouTube shorts, Instagram reels, TikTok, whatever, everything is becoming condensed. And even more so, we thought it couldn't get any more condensed, but it has done. And I think there's a song called Stay by the Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber that I think not only summarizes this last year, but I think it also speaks to how you can write something short, condensed, use all of the tools, and it's incredibly effective. It's huge all over the world. And I used it the other day. I was talking to someone in a session. I talked about sometimes when you use the tool so well and so effectively, you cannot have a song that's any longer than two minutes and 25 seconds or something like that. Because imagine adding in more to that song. Suddenly you, you lose the fact that it's replayability. You lose the fact that it's all these beautiful aspects. And if you watch the live performance, they know they have a certain amount of time of your bandwidth and they hammer it with every single possible tool that they can pack in. And of course there's things they may have missed or you might have a critical analysis of that song too, but I just thought that's a really good way to look at 
not only last year, but possibly where we're going to be going. And these tools we talked about, completely applicable, whether you're writing a four and a half minute outlaw country song, or you're trying to cram in two and a half minutes of the best of the charts. Um, and I think it was just something I wanted to bring up before we go on to a little bit of other stuff. So just before I leave you with two practical things for this year, because we promised this would be practical this show. Callum and I just wanted to say, first of all, thank you so much for everyone that has come along on the journey so far that you've left your reviews and you've made yourself known and part of this community because it's so, so fulfilling to know that this is helping people. And on that note, if you have found this helpful and you want this show to carry on, leaving an Apple review does a lot of things. It's nice to know what you guys are thinking for one, because we love to hear from you. And again, making yourself known to this community. But secondly, it helps us to grow. And if we can grow, we can keep doing this and we can keep trying to bring value to what you're doing. And when Callum said goodbye, I'm going to leave you with two tips that are going to get you going today. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate every single download, every single listen, every single subscribe, every single review. Yeah. We hope this has been of value. We can't wait to dive into everything we've talked about today. And it's essentially just that. And we might like to think that we know a bunch of things about songwriting. We might like to think that we know a bunch of things about podcasting, but I promise you Callum and I did this because we just wanted to try and bring value on something we're absolutely obsessed with. So thank you for letting us do that. And we're going to promise to keep doing it and doing it really well. Like we said, we've got awesome stuff coming up, but before we finish, I want to leave you with a couple of thoughts. So there's a great man called Gary Vaynerchuk, who I think is one of the most influential people of the last 10 to 15 years. And I think he'll continue to be that. That's what makes him special. But what Gary said is information is no longer important because let's face it, all of us have information. And as much as we want at our fingertips, Google, YouTube, it's all there. He said, execution is going to be the key. So meaning it's not about just knowing these tools about songwriting. It's not about knowing and taking the time just to research all these things we're recommending. The difference is, are you going to execute upon what you know? And the second thing I want to add is something I like to call the rebel mindset. And again, it's hammering the same point of practicality. Oh yeah. And again, it's hammering that same point is that you can listen to what Callum and I say, and we love it if you find it helpful and it brings a new aspect to what you do. But equally, when I'm working with people, they might understand the tools and that's brilliant. That's nice. It might give my ego a little bump, but really what's important is people like Tyler who've gone out and use what Callum and I have put together and they've started to focus on again, our legend, Jodie Brunning, what she's talked about is building relationships going out and meeting people. It's all well and good having wonderful songs, but until you're out there forming relationships, building partnerships, going even online at the moment, if we can't go out and do it physically, are you taking the time to get your songs to the right people? Nathan Graves talks about this. And again, we promise we're going to get that out really soon for you, but please people, if you take anything from this show, it's not just that you wish you knew that about songwriting. Is you going to take that? Because Callum and I have bled over it. There's some really great people we're going to speak to that have also bled over it and have the same mindset is that just because we've struggled to learn something, it doesn't mean you should struggle too. So we're going to give you tools. We're going to give you insights, but you have to, for your own sake, to beat the resistance, you have to go out 
and do these things for yourself. Be a rebel, find that open door, find that person that give you a warm intro, go and find and seek out that person you want to work with. I think it's a trait that everyone in this show has to go out to search. And again, we wish you all the best for this year and we're going to do our best to be helpful and practical for you. So Callum and I, before we cry, saying goodbye with a rhyme. (laughs) Peace. Peace. To find out more about us and to get in touch, please head over to I Wish I Knew That Pod on Instagram and don't forget to join the conversation on our Facebook community. Please also remember to email your questions about songwriting to I Wish I Knew That Pod at gmail.com and we will answer these on our upcoming episodes. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this, we would really love it if you could give it a share or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. And Jamie and I will talk to you on the next episode.